is up, everybody. Welcome to the Open Door Wrestling Podcast, 14th episode. We are the gateway into the pro wrestling multiverse. The forbidden door has been busted open, and the world of professional wrestling is there for the viewing and the consuming. I'm DJM. I also like Star Trek and occasionally anime. I'm joined by my co-host, my tag team partner in wrestling podcastery, the subtle doctor physician of nuance what's going on what's good djm hey everybody i hope everyone is as safe and well as could possibly be hope you're doing well And i just realized that's what i wanted to talk to you about and we'll talk about that after the show <laughs> okay what <laughs> my being uh, safe and well uh no um anime and otakon but we'll oh, talk about okay. that after the show oh, beautiful okay perfect yes no yeah. we can definitely chat about anime because i hate it uh i don't watch <laughs> it it's bad for your health and you should all I mean, that part is true that part is true <laughs> <laughs> yes no i'm good man i've been watching a, a ton of wrestling uh as usual uh my my love for the pro the graps the wrestling is uh, is running high, and there's a lot to talk about. I've been to a live show since we last uh, recorded, and I'm itching to talk to everyone about that and the ton that's been going on in the pro wrestling multiverse. Then let us jump in with our specific format for the show here on the Open Door Wrestling Podcast, where we talk about our investments, our investments in pro wrestling, and we give our stock report. Uh, we're going to start with our up stocks, the pro, the professional wrestling personality that we think is on the rise. And Doc, I'm going to let you go first per tradition. Okay, well, thank you, sir. Um, both of my stocks this week are sort of, uh, I guess you call it cheating a, a little bit because it's not uh, a particular person uh, or promotion. But my stock up this week, and I can't believe I'm gonna I'm gonna do this stock up, not because I've, I've ever thought anything bad about this particular stock here. But in fact, the opposite is true. I have loved this stock since its inception. And so had everyone else until very recently. For some reason, there's a lot of doom and gloom around this stock, DJM. My stock <laughs> ah, up, yes. my stock up yes. is the financial future of All Elite Wrestling. Because yeah. I think it is uh, as rosy as ever. Uh, as rosy as it was six months ago, a year ago, I mean, I just think that there's no issue. And I, I, I don't know what's going on if if the uh, the the Paul Levesque love in and uh, he who shall oh, not yeah. be named v Vincemort uh, ousting has sort of, you know, lit a fire under a certain few Twitter accounts. And now they Doc, are. I assure high. you that that is 100 percent the reason. That's um, a reason. I'll tell you another reason, though. Is I think it's the uh, number know, one reason. The number okay, one. Okay, that's reason. fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think a, a, another reason is Uncle Dave, Dave Meltzer, the the wonderful historian that he is. I, I think he's kind of misfiring right now because he what he sees in front of him is Turner merger wrestling. 
And the last time that happened, of course, uh, WCW shortly thereafter was no longer a going concern. Now, I understand the the caution, I guess, to some degree, and I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of the historical outlook, but I think that beyond Turner Wrestling merger, I don't really think that the, this situation with All Elite has that much in common with WCW. I mean, the merger that's happening, or that happened rather, twenty years ago, the the AOL Time Warner. Um, you can look up – I mean there are, I think, documentaries about how awful and bad it was. It was fraught with Just problems. to go back to conventions for a minute, Doc, I did a whole panel on this once uh, when I talked about Toonami, th- this very moment with the Time Warner merger back in 2000. And it was so damaging and detrimental to the television and entertainment industry. In my Mm. opinion, I've called that particular merger one of those moments that genuinely killed the 90s. It it really was. It really was as bad as you can imagine. And I know that in the case of Mr. Meltzer, I think he looks at pro wrestling in a very unique way that... I don't believe wrestling fans should try to replicate. Uh, I don't think we should try and see wrestling through Dave Meltzer's eyes. And I do think that a lot of fans fall into that trap. He only sees, in my opinion, the numbers and the business a lot of times. So to him, this probably does look exactly the same. But I agree with you. I don't think it is at all. I think that... All Elite Wrestling is far too early in its inception to be disposed of. It's far too early. Uh, no wrestling company should lose its television after all it's done is be successful in its first three years. Exactly. Uh, they, they've maintained an audience for the most part, and I'm guessing we'll talk a little bit about that later. <laughs> I agree, Doc, that I don't think that a lot of the doom and gloom around the discourse over all elite wrestling is justified right now. I think that uh, a lot of people on the Internet are just kind of what's what's the analogy They're They're darting back and forth at the newest shiny thing. And that newest Mm. shiny thing has a tinge of black and gold that people Mm. might be curious about yeah and i mean of course we we've talked about before how there are a lot of people with incentives uh financial incentives for wwe doing well because so much of the wrestling audience i think uh at least online and maybe even a lot of people that consume it like grew up like their their first memories of wrestling were like hulkamania and grew up and were teenagers in the in the Monday Night Wars and had their DX NWO and 316 t-shirts and you know I mean little uh, DJM was over here watching the cruiserweights <laughs> in Glacier <laughs> exactly exactly so like uh, I, I think you know a, a lot of people really really want WWE to be good not even in a malicious sort of like the financial incentive kind of way. It's just like, 
that's what they've always been a fan of and they just want it to be good so bad. Um, and, and unfortunately for a lot of people like wanting the thing that you like to be good means you have to tear down its, uh, competition or what you see as, as its competitor or rival. But, but the, the whole thing with the merger again, I mean, you, you said it just right. When you're looking at it from like a thousand foot view, you could see sort of in outline form bullet points that look similar, but like, it, the the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, like it may have some issues, but again, just like you said, it's it's nothing, nothing compared to just the absolute tire fire that was the AOL Time Warner merger and WCW at, least at the time. At least in relation to professional wrestling, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, WC and, and WCW at the time was terrible, and it was hemorrhaging money. Um. And all elite wrestling is neither of those things. I would go so. So you said it's maintained an audience since its exception. It's it's grown its audience. And the last couple of months on TV. And and by the way, I'm speaking about AEW Dynamite and AEW pay per views. There are other um, AEW vehicles that are not faring as well. And they and and ROH is is a thing that is you know hopefully going to come into being soon. Those things are one thing, but Dynamite and, and the the sort of flagship program to build to these AEW pay per views. I mean, year over year they've just done nothing but grow. You know, Dynamite is now hitting that time in which last year uh, it was getting really really hot. A lot of people were jumping to AEW. Punk was coming back here, and and they, they were really gearing up for that. So this summer, they, the year-over-year growth has stopped, but the year-over-year pay-per-view growth continues. Uh, it's probably going to stop now at All Out here because, again, how can you replicate a once-in-a-decade kind of moment like CM Punk returning and CM Punk wrestling for the first time in seven years. Like, that's sort of an unfair comparison. But but I think the business is doing doing really well. And, I mean, I think that they will get a... I, I think Brandon Thurston ran the numbers and said, like, according to... By the way, you should follow Brandon Thurston and WrestleNomics on Twitter. Very, very smart. You really should. You really very should. Very smart. So uh, according to the way sports rights have gone, AEW should expect a 3x increase. You could make an argument for a 5x increase, but conservatively, a 3x increase is what they should expect. They should probably get it from Warner. And, you know, there will be other suitors if for some reason Warner doesn't want to pony up. I, I think I, I'm not sure why people Duck. think that Warner isn't interested because they've been doing a lot of cross promotional content on AEW. Doc, do you remember the word of the original estimated audience that Time Warner had for AEW Dynamite? Do you remember do. the number? They were estimating that it would be somewhere around 400,000 mm -hmm. for Dynamite. And they have more than doubled that every single week. Yes. And the demo number is always number one on cable. Um, yeah, they've they've had their i mean this was pre-merger of course but you know tony khan has had his agreement torn up and renewed twice uh because he's done so well for them so yeah i i there, would there's gonna I, I be a contract extension 
I'm just going to call it now. There will be a contract extension and it's going to make all elite wrestling a lot more money. And that's okay. I don't think anyone within AEW and I think the overwhelming majority of AEW fans only want AEW to exist and thrive. It has nothing to do with what the other company is doing. I don't care about taking over and beating the other company. Mm. I don't care about that. I don't care about it one iota. I want AEW to thrive because when WCW and ECW went down in 2001, I was utterly devastated. Yeah. I don't want wrestling fans of this generation that like things outside of WWE as much as I do. I don't want them to have to go through that. I don't want anyone that is a wrestling fan to have to deal with that again. Absolutely. And and I think America is big enough for two national major professional wrestling leagues. I, I don't think this is out of the question at all. And I think that's what we're going to have for the foreseeable future. And and to me, that sounds great. And and I bet a lot of people in both companies would agree. My stock up, Doc, uh, is one that... I will say isn't a total surprise per se, because I always knew he was talented, but I never saw that much of him. Uh, the occasional match on the indies here, uh, the radio show or podcast there, but I haven't really gotten to see a lot of him. And I'm talking about filthy Tom Lawler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I should have known, honestly, because Filthy Tom is a pro wrestler through and through. Yes, he was in the the UFC and competed professionally in mixed martial arts. But like a lot of the old Pancrase guys, he's a pro wrestler through and through. Uh, you've heard him on Japan doing commentary where he's really deep diving into the wrestling. Uh, he always does great work on the indies and with new Japan strong and doc. I don't think I have to tell you, I think filthy Tom has shown up and, and done well for himself in front of the fans in new Japan during the G one. The man has gotten over. Um, and I'm so happy to see, you know, the, the boys from strong, like Alex Zane and Tom Waller, come over to Japan and really get the fans energized. I, I love it. I'm really happy for him. I love his commentary as well. I mean, I think, you know, if anything, you could say, like, maybe he's a little stiff, but like, I, I feel like it just it's just a thing that more reps will easily, easily cure and he'll get more relaxed. The other day he was talking about French catch wrestling and it was so interesting. Like it made me do oh, like yeah. a, a YouTube dive into like black and white TV French wrestling. Oh, yeah. And I was blown and, away. I was like, this looks totally modern. Like filthy Tom. That's some good you. stuff. That is that's so a good. good deep dive. Yeah, it yes. really is. No, Tom rules. I thought his match with Okada was was so good. I was really yeah. I was looking forward to it the whole time. Cause like I mean, I th- I agree with you, he's done well. I was I was worried going in that um the matchups he would have, you know, with the bigger guys might not favor him, but he's done well. I thought the Archer match was was really good. I think the 
match with Okada was excellent. So I'm I'm right there with you. Like, you know, he was uh, he carried strong. He he represented uh, them well. Was their champion for quite a while. Had an excellent feud with Fred Rosser. Very very good story. Um, and yeah, I hope that they keep using him in Japan now because he's excellent. I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, he has the legitimate fighting background, which they love. He is a pro wrestler to the core. I think the future in New Japan is bright for Filthy Tom. I really do. And, and, and I'm uh, happy and for him. Me too. And I'm, ha- I'm happy for Royce Isaacs <laughs> that Tom picked him to come over with him and be his corner yeah. man. His track suits are unbelievable. <laughs> there's some, there's some good them. fashion in Japanese wrestling today. Yes. Right. Sometimes he wears multiple track suits. Um, and uh, oh, did I don't know if you happen to catch Tom Waller's match with Yano. Not yet. It's um, it's pretty it's glorious. Brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yes, it's, it's so I don't I won't spoil all the I'm gags. I'm pretty sure I said that this that was the match I was looking forward yes. to the most in the G1. He has a great sense of humor and he I, like I said, I won't spoil all the gags, but there's a pretty great one in which uh, he he has on fake hair. Um, yes <laughs> and not so because he has uh you know he wears multiple layers of denim shorts and uh and so for that match he wore multiple layers of, of hair that did not look like outlandish fake hair but very much like his own hair but for some reason it, it was a wig um it's very good <laughs> y- yano's been all right this g1 <laughs> yay we got him folks we got him <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's time to move to the part of the show where we we act like jerks and sometimes we we go back and forth a little bit. And this is the stock down where it's something or someone in professional wrestling that really isn't doing it for you. And Doc, I will let you go first because my stock down is probably going to piss you off. Okay, all right. Well, the stock down is, I guess, again, a bit of a cheat, but um, I'm, I'm going to go stock down to people who have hit the Kaito Kiyomiya panic button. Guilty and as charged. I definitely was. I, I was... I was doing it all throughout the, the, the KG Mudo beatings. You can listen to the last episode to hear how I felt about Muto quote unquote, putting Kiyomiya over and giving him the figure four. thank you for the most common submission in wrestling. I, I thank, thank you. What, how generous, um, that you, and, you couldn't give him, have, you couldn't give him the we, arm drag. <laughs> And we have screamed about the booking of pro wrestling Noah ad infinitum on this podcast for quite some time. And a lot of it does revolve around Kaito Kiyomiya. Mm -hmm. But, but the first in one show, the man came out in an incredible new getup. Amazing. Great gear. Great new hair. 
and promptly lost to Jack Morris. And that gives me so much hope. I see it so clearly, DJM. And a lot of people, you know, this is when I think some people hit the panic button, right? It's like, oh, my God, he's losing to this nobody, Jack Morris. Well, let me tell you something. Jack Morris is pretty damn good. (laughs) I thought he looked great. His body is unbelievable. And he could go. I thought he's good. He's a he's a fine addition to this tournament. And this letting him face and beat Kiyomiya right out of the gate first is such a brilliant move. It's such a Gato move because to me, this screams Naito G1 booking. This is Kiyomiya is going to go behind the eight ball early. And he's going to get into the situation where if he loses again, he's mathematically eliminated and then he's going to win out. He's going to win the mm. damn block. I feel it in my bones. Mm. I, I hope you're do. right. I hope you're right. That that was my prediction. I hope you're right. I truly do. I truly, truly do. Especially because Kazuyuki Fujita won his match as well. <sighs> I know. I know. I know that upset you. That for, match is, for the is listeners. Good for the listeners, everything that Doc feels about Keiji Muto in 2022 is exactly how I feel about Kazuyuki Fujita in 2022. But we're <laughs> going to no move body on. Never was Kaz Fujita. <laughs> Fucking tomato can. Not even a has been. A never was. Yeah. My stock down is not Kazuyuki Fujita, although he's just kind of an eternal stock down exactly. in my book. He can't he can't go any lower. He's uh No. Yeah. Sometimes a wrestler finds a gimmick, finds a shtick, finds a character, and they stick with it forever. They never really deviate. They never really change. And they just kind of stay that way for years and years and years. And that really bugs me sometimes. And I see that a lot with New Japan, especially. I know we all love New Japan for its long-term storytelling and long-term booking. But there are times where if you're not doing something like changing your gear or finding a new move in your arsenal, which is part of why I like Hiroki Goto so much. If you're just doing the stuff you've been doing and it gets to be year two, year three, year four, I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm over you. And (laughs) I get to the point where I'm, I just kind of glaze over your matches and I glaze over your promos. And I see that your matches are exactly the same as they've always been. Your promos are exactly the same as they've always been. I'm dying. Who are you going to turn on? (laughs) My stock down is Switchblade Jay White. What? What? I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm just over it. Honestly, I'm just over it. Yes, you're the catalyst. Yes, you sold out United <laughs> Center. Yes, you sold out Madison Square Garden. Yes, we know. We know. We know you're a counter wrestler. We know you're the catalyst. We know Ghetto's going to get involved. Did you know I, that I, he was I the have last finally rock reached and roll the point where, where I'm tired of the Bullet Club shenanigans. Me, me, I'm tired of it. 
And I've been watching the Bullet Club shenanigans for 10 years. I'm finally tired of it. And it's it revolves around Jay White, where I'm just mm. like, weren't you supposed to start turning babyface when you lost the title? What happened there? What happened? And I, I'm just when he's on, I know he's good. I just I just no longer care. It's like hearing mm. it's like hearing Enter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> you, you know it's a good song, you know it's a popular song, but you've heard it eight thousand times. You don't really need to hear it anymore. Hmm. I told you. Hmm. Well, I mean, this may surprise you, but like, I'm I'm looking for the flaw in your argument, and I don't know if there is one because if you're wary of the shtick, then I mean, there's it's going to be like I get it, I get it, and until this bullet club civil war possibly pushes him babyface. I I think this is what we're going to get. And he could do with forgetting some of the older catchphrases like the MSG. And I think he stopped saying that he's the last rock and roller and and that's real. Thank, thankfully, (laughs) but like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think his, some of his matches are still great. But and some of them don't land with me either. Um, I th- I thought the match with Sonata to kick off G one was like fine, but it wasn't great. And he's capable of having great matches, even so, with Sonata. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, ain't nothing wrong with Sonata. No, um, no he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> um. Muto's first Muto's first dude in yeah, uh, that's right. Wrestle One in all Japan. <laughs> and all Japan really well. It works so well for him. He, he started Muto. as an all Japan. He started as an all Japan guy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's helped so many people along the way, Keiji Muto. <laughs> he sure is incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Um do do you think Okay, well, so it's coming. His do, uh, so you're going to be cheering incredibly hard for Tamatanga when he faces Jay White next week. I've been cheering for Tamatanga since the first Bullet Club. Well, feud. Yes, yes, we love Tama. He's great, but I mean, you want him to eliminate Jay White? Yes, I would love to see it. Quite frankly, I would love Tamatanga to play spoiler and just break everybody's brain oh it's I not spoiler that. i mean well it is it is spoiling jay white but it's not simply play if he beats jay white he goes through to the semifinals. nice it's everyone else in the block is eliminated except for but those then two i guess i guess my my stock down is kind of a referendum on new japan and its booking because it just sometimes feels like everything is crawling mm, mm-hmm. and i can see it i can see I, it I not being mind, to your taste i don't mind that to a point but it's like i've been saying about noah 
we better get Kaito Kiyomiya and one of the members of Congo at the Budokan in January because it's gone on long enough. Mm-hmm. And I just feel kind of that same way about New Japan. There, there kind of needs to be a, a shout out to John Moxley, a paradigm shift where where there just needs to be something that gives it a little bit of spark. Maybe it's Will Ospreay. Maybe it's, it's Tanahashi. Just, just you know, it, it just feels like it's kind of been we've just kind of been in a holding pattern in some ways. And I guess I'm just ready for I'm ready for an upset. I'm ready for an upset in New Japan. You've been ready for an upset in New Japan since we started this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is New Japan. It. How do I say this? Uh, How do I articulate what I'm feeling here? It's it's the kind of thing again. You talked about the shonen anime, right? And it's like. It is that in some ways, like you are, you are following the characters over the long haul and you're listening to all the backstage talk and you're watching all the matches and things are evolving slowly. Yes, there's, there's not a lot in, in terms of like major shifts that happens really, really quickly. Like that's, yeah, that's not a thing. And so like, yeah, so maybe maybe new japan is just not for you djm <laughs> no like, I, but with, I really with Jay, str- i really struggle with shonen anime to be fair mm. well with jay specifically though i get like i i hemmed and hawed but like i think i like the idea of jay white better than like when i'm sitting through a jay white match like especially the I'm going to go into the ropes and then roll out to the floor. I there's nothing I hate more in Puro than let's roll out to the floor because that really, really is like nothing of consequence is likely to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, they, they could be pretty plotty. So I hear you. I can't kill you. I can't okay. kill you. <laughs> I just I want I would like New Japan to be a bit more like a, a 50 episode sci-fi or a 50 episode mecha rather than a shonen that goes on for 20 years. Mm-hmm. That that would be my preference. This bullet club thing has to, it's, oh it's gotta God. create some shrapnel. Like it's, it's I feel like it's it going to send ELP is going to get the boot. I feel like he's going to become a baby face. He's going to get out. Maybe that will happen with Jay. Is Maybe. House of Torture officially out of Bullet Club? They are not. They are still a subgroup, but perhaps what will happen is they will become the dominant group and absorb the other Bullet Club heel guys. Mm. And then and and cut out a lot of the other, you know, OGBC people. Um <laughs> what a weird a weird outlier that in that though is Kenta because I can't see Kenta just being a baby face, but I also can't see Kenta like being a house. Kenta's of just gonna guy. keep Kenta's just gonna keep talking to the camera and, and <laughs> doing whatever he wants. He really God does feel him. like his own unit despite him wearing a bullet club. So he really feels just, like his own dude. Kenta just does. It, it, one thing that has never changed about Kenta is just he's going to be Kenta and nobody's going to stop him. 
He's amazing. I love Jeez. him so much. He's an all-time. He's an all-timer, in my opinion. He's an all-timer. Yes. Now, this is the part where we get to futures, where we look at someone that we hope maybe someday could be an all-timer. Doc, who's in your future stock? Well, I am going to say that Kosei Fujita is my future pick. Um, This is like a low-hanging fruit one, I think, because... So he's one of the young lions uh, in uh, New Japan right now. And they usually, like uh, of late anyway, uh, have had some really nice careers as young lions, gone on and, and come back and been and been really great and really solid. I feel like the classes of late have been really, really good. Um course the, the counter argument to everything i'm saying is the career of carl fredericks uh which we never really got into on the show but um you know if you don't know what's happened just do some some twitter deep diving and and look into it. it's 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 sad <laughs> what's occurred and i i hope he comes back to wrestling uh but no Ko- kosei fujita uh was a part of this really fun angle in the g1 with Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Zack was wrestling evil. And I know going into it, I was gearing up for like a, a sort of, you know, classic Zack versus evil match, which I've seen before and liked. I think Zack is a really good opponent for evil. Um, but so Zack comes out and he's wearing a baseball cap that says Zack Sabre Jr. Maybe even it said, I am Zack Sabre Jr. And he's got it really, really low over his face. And he's doing the Zach poses and stuff. I'm like, Zach never wears a baseball cap. This is odd. Uh, and so then, of course, he gets attacked from behind by House of Torture. But it's not Zack Sabre Jr. It's Kosei Fujita dressed up as Zack Sabre Jr. And so the House of Torture is like, what? What's going on? And the then the best wrestler in the world had set up a trap. Yes. He had he had outthought them. He had figured their trap. Uh and in with that in mind, he had set his own. And so he emerges from the curtain looking like Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Uh like grabs Dick Togo, incapacitates him, runs and rolls evil up. One, two, three, the shortest G1 match in history, maybe. <laughs> and nice. then poses with Fujita and then gets the hell out of Dodge. And uh, folks, we have a new uh, Moxley and Shooter situation on our hands, I think. I, I hope Zach and Fujita remain in cahoots. <laughs> that Fujita continues to help Zach and they foster a little partnership. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And on top of that, Fujita, you know, you know what these young lions, they're they're excellently trained, you know, really solid, crisp mat technicians with hard strikes and a lot of fire. All that's there with him. Uh, but this angle just made me so happy. It, it gives them a little bit of something to actually sink their teeth into and work with. And especially for Zack Sabre Jr., who I've also said getting a little stale, kind of in need for a change while I continue to push the Zack Sabre Jr. agenda. 
I, I'm kind of ready for Zach to have a, something a little different for himself, too. And that's a good sign. I do hope it's something that continues for him. And, and I will continue to push the Zach Sabre Jr. agenda. Good man. Okay, do you have a futures pick? I do, and I'll expand on this when we get to talk about AEW a little bit later. Um, as we're recording this on a Saturday night, uh, this particular pro wrestler was announced as being officially all elite. And I'm talking about Parker Boudreaux. I feel like I see Parker Boudreaux and I see exactly why he was snagged up and put in the performance center. Mm. I, I see when he became all elite, my immediate thought is Dustin Rhodes can do a lot with Parker Boudreaux. Do you know he's only had 11 total matches so far? Oh my, oh my God. No, I had yeah. no idea. I mean, it's I would almost make the comparison to say that right now for him, he's kind of in the same position that Jade Cargill was at the beginning of her career to where I already see kind of the explosive charisma and the hyper athleticism. He is uh, when I saw him, the, the times that I've seen him, I thought he is a younger faster, more athletic Wardlow. And we all like Wardlow. Wow. That's high praise. Yeah. I I see a mountain of potential with Parker Boudreaux. I really, really do. Could you be the next, you know, Ty Conti snagged up from, you know, the NXT junk pile and, and turned into a diamond? I, I think it's possible. I really do. He he gets some solid training under his belt from the factory and from Dustin. Uh, he gets the opportunity to have some matches on Dark and, and Rampage and in time. Yeah, I really do. I really do. I, maybe this will make everyone shut up about the Trustbusters. I love the Trustbusters. I think that this gimmick is like the most pro wrestling shit ever, and I love it. Just Ari Davari being like, hey, I inherited a bunch of money and I want to be a wrestler. And so I bought me a stable. Come get some. And I love it. It's like a Why real. Why are they complaining about that? That's literally been Aria Davari's gimmick for like the last 10 years. Oh, I don't think they're complaining about the gimmick. What people I've heard, I've heard people complain about is um, why are these guys on TV and not my favorites? Because uh, they're they're starting a new unit and they want to they want to push them before the trios tournament. They want to establish them. And that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But but, yeah, right. I'm, I'm happy that uh, Boudreaux is doing well. I haven't actually seen the rampage uh, in which he wrestled. So I'm now excited to check that out. I will definitely say that he he took care of the best friends and he really does pop off the screen. Awesome. Awesome. Um, when he was at the performance center, there were comparisons to young Brock Lesnar, who, as everybody knows, was OP, was just a broken character. OP. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And you can see it. I, I see a little bit of Wardlow. I see a little bit of Brock Lesnar. And I think there is unlimited potential with him. Excellent. Uh, All right. 
Are we are we good to keep moving? We are. I was actually <laughs> I didn't realize that you were going to change the subject. I was going to jump in and, and shift us down the outline, but I'll let you do it. You're much more right. graceful at it. All right. Well, now we've gotten our stocks out of the way. So let's just get into a few stories. Uh, Doc, uh, in regards to All Elite Wrestling, AEW, uh, I guess here in the doc said you had some questions for me. Uh, I will do my best to clear them up. What you got? Well, I, I do have questions for you. And I, I have my own takes on these, but, but I want to get your opinions because I have been of late doing something that I don't usually do. And that is uh, put my ear to the ground on uh, wrestling Twitter and find out what the people are complaining about in regards to all elite wrestling specifically. And I, I trawled the waters and, and found uh, a few different complaints and a few different little issues. And I wanted to see uh, what your response to these would be and see if our thinking aligns. So here we go. Our podcast is called the Open Door Wrestling Podcast, DJM, but is the door too open? Recently on Rampage, John Moxley defended his All Elite Wrestling title against old Mancer, Mance Warner, who's not signed by All Elite Wrestling. And here he is getting a plum spot in the main event against John Moxley on TV. What is this? Why aren't my faves in that spot? Why aren't the signed talent getting more of the precious TNT oxygen? Is this a thing, DJM? Is the door too open? Is AEW making missteps in terms of interpromotional or unsigned talent getting these featured spots at the expense of their own. I don't know why people would be so upset about this since they don't watch Rampage anyway. Oh, sick burn. <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, it's true, though. Rampage numbers are are very down, but people are still upset. So. I, I just... Th- that to me is classic wrestling Twitter complaining for the sake of complaining. Um, Mance Warner and, and John Moxley both work for GCW. Uh, I'm not too surprised that this match happened. Uh, it gave Mance Warner a showcase, which is good for him. Uh, clearly, AEW likes him, and I don't see any problem with it. I just I just don't. This is the kind of thing that they've done before. John Moxley worked on Dark before several times. So has Kenny Omega. So have the Young Bucks. They do this. Also, John Moxley seems to be just wrestling everywhere. So, you know, just let him. That dude has a wrestler of the year case. Oh, absolutely. He does. He absolutely does. I I wouldn't even argue Zach over John Moxley. Okay. Okay. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where things fall come the end of the year on our list. Well, okay. So let me then, I guess, expand and and make this kind of a broader complaint. I'm going to stick with this issue and make it less about Mance in particular uh, by way of another example, AEW Twitter does not like QT Marshall at all. And 
you know, uh, besides the fact that that's his job to be hated and he's doing very well at it, um, they complain about the guy a lot. And so as, as you – DJM, I know you know, but as you listener may or may not know, QT was part of a recent set of uh, internal promotions in all elite wrestling. Um, AEW wanted to address – some talent relations, uh, communication, sort of personal growth and development kind of areas within the company. So they they promoted QT. Uh, they promoted Tony Schiavone. They hired Madison Rain. Um, there may have been one other person promoted, but uh, Sanjay Dutt. Um, and it's my understanding that all these promotions were really just uh, – I didn't know at the time, but I've since heard – that they were just formalizing on paper roles that people were playing at the office anyway. So it's not like QT or anybody has now ha- suddenly had some giant raise and big promotion and all these new responsibilities they never had. QT Marshall, whether you know it or not, has been helping out with creative uh, at All Elite Wrestling since he came in, since Cody brought him over. Um, but a lot of people sort of read the paper – read the internet story, QT gets promotion, and then they see, oh, QT Marshall's guy, Aaron Solo, getting to wrestle Ricky Starks in a big spot on TV. Oh, QT, he's on Dynamite again, taking up airtime instead of my faves. Um, Again, like, what do you make of this complaint here, this issue? Uh... Let me let me form it char- charitably here. I would say, go ahead. You go ahead. Just take no. it. I will say this is more complaining for the sake of complaining. I really don't have time for this <laughs> level of shenanigan. <laughs> if you don't understand how important QT Marshall has been to AEW at this point, then I just I just don't know what to tell you. You're and here's the part where DJM is mean and snarky. Okay. You're just fucking dense at this point. If you don't get how the fact that QT Marshall plays a, a huge role within AEW and he's also a pretty good wrestler and trainer, like fucking deal with it. He's there because he's good at his job. And so is Aaron Solo. If you don't understand why Aaron Solo is there, then I I don't know what to tell you. You you do not understand wrestling. Plus, it was with Ricky Starks, the guy that people are going crazy for right now. And Aaron Solo is going (laughs) to... Right. He's going to make Ricky Starks look great, which he did. Yep. So what is the what is the problem? The problem is the QT's people get put with the stars instead of like, yeah, okay. I'm going to. So I'm the stars. Do do you want Ricky Starks to beat your favorite heel? Do you want powerhouse Hobbs to beat your favorite baby face or or your favorite meme wrestler? Is that what you want? Yes. And this to me was just, this was a perfect piece of booking. I, I mean, I think so. Ricky has been a hated heel 
for quite a while now in AEW. He's he's been uh, dastardly heel, right? And he's turned on by Powerhouse Hobbs, and he's cut a couple promos that are baby facey, but he hasn't been a baby kisser. So maybe there are some people that are like, should I cheer for Ricky? You know, this is yes. all very sudden, but you know, he's facing the factory who everyone hates and everyone loves to boo. And so this do, do is we need, do we need to make any, do we need to make it less subtle for you? Yes, you can cheer for Ricky. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and they used to be a tag team and and all this stuff. The the factory are are they're really good at what they do and Aaron Solo could walk onto New Japan Strong and be in these meaningful matches every single week there. But they know that they have something pretty good in him and in the rest of the factory. Uh, and I literally I, just said how much I want them to train Parker Boudreaux. Yes. Yes. No doubt. And I mean, I think it's just weird. Like he sort of gets blamed for a lot of bad stories that he's been involved with or stories that people didn't like. But he doesn't really get any credit, of course, for good ones because, you know, it, it Tony is the the last line. You know, he's the guy holding the pencil. But we don't know how much, you know, QT's input has really helped sharpen things up. But he's been in the room. He's been in the room with them for years. And yeah, I mean, he's just a great heel. Uh, he's, he's great at getting people over. He's really hated. I mean, if you'd rather if you want something, someone else in that spot. You know, tell your favorite heel to fucking get with the program and get better. <laughs> this is so. This is what I, I, I would say to. I would larger, love to see Peter Avalon and the Wingman there. I would love to see that. <laughs> exactly. The so, fact, so that the factory was, is just as well. Yes, and I think that they're far more hated. I think a lot of people ironically like the Wingman, but Guilty. no one ironically loves QT. <laughs> Everyone hates no. him, but he's great. I love him. I think he's perfect for his role. He never wins. He always just like puts people over and it works. They're a great stepping stone faction. I mean, they helped establish Hook. They're going to help establish Ricky. Um, I thought his feud with Paul White was totally harmless and fun. I don't know. He hasn't really done anything super egregious to me. He's a wrestler's wrestler. QT Marshall. Totally, totally. And but the larger point about like the the tv oxygen um i don't know man i mean what do you think like so we have had different f- forms of this conversation where you know you have said that you want AEW to be true to its indie roots and not totally abandon the silliness and the fun and the quirky characters and stories totally in favor of of the seriousness i think a version of what you've said could be applied to this general kind of argument of like, why is like, why is thing X getting on TV instead of these other people that, you know, I I feel deserve it. I mean, do you think this is a general problem for AEW right now? Or do you think, Hey, it's a competitive business. If you want to get on TV, you got to get over. What do what do you, what's your take on all this? I believe that AEW, for good or for ill, has a very large roster. 
and they have limited TV time. But this is also why they let their stars go do independent bookings if they want or go to Japan if they want. Uh, you see guys like John Moxley, who doesn't need the money. He just wants to fucking wrestle wherever he can. And if you're not doing that, I don't know what to tell you. One of my favorites, Kylan King, has been on a lower tier AEW deal for a while. But she's been doing independent bookings continuously for like the last year, year and a half. She's been consistently working. And now she's about to be on Dynamite again in a match with Tony Storm with the, the big Game of Thrones pr- promotion. Yes. And I think that if you if you put in the work and it's it's noticed and the right people notice it, you'll get your shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Uh, Hopefully Ring of Honor becomes a thing very soon so that there could be more real estate uh, for a lot of these guys. Um, I think that would help tremendously. I think that would go such a long way to alleviating all these concerns about television time. I really, really do. I think that's, you know, talk to me. Uh, after Ring of Honor has been going uh, on True TV for six months, uh, and and we'll Agreed. see we'll see how this looks then. Agreed. Um, my final question, and I believe this is also on the dock, so you've had a chance to prepare for this one. Um, Battle of the Belts, Battle of the Belts, tres, the third, um. This battle of the belts. Well, let me ask you, what did you think of the show? I thought it was a lot of fun. Yes. I enjoyed the women's championship match. I thought Claudio Castagnoli and Kanosuke Takeshita absolutely brought the house down. And those were two banger matches in a one hour wrestling show. However... Oh, can Sorry, I just say, ahead. oh, yeah, yeah. that that Takeshita uh, Claudio match, I def- <laughs> I know we don't usually talk about the the Connecticut brand on this show, mm-hmm. but can you I defy anyone tweet tweet at me, tweet at the subtle doctor or uh, open door rest pod. If there has been. A match on free TV from the Connecticut brand that has been as good as that match in the last two years. Send it to me. I defy you. I, there isn't one. That match was incredible. <laughs> and I don't even think it's going to make my match of the year list. But for a TV match, it was excellent. I am upset because I've forgotten that Battle of the Belts was in Grand Rapids. And I had friends at the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Damn. Oh, well. Oh, well. But yeah, it was outstanding. But from my understanding, Battle of the Belts 3 kind of ended up with the same total viewership as an episode of Rampage. Is that right? Uh, I want so I actually am unsure of the total Rampage viewership, but I want to say that the Battle of of the Belts 3 
total viewership was like uh, 423,000, 425,000. Pretty significant step down from Battle of the Belts 1 and 2. And the, the demo rating was lower. It's it's the worst B.O.B. show in terms of ratings, despite being by a country mile the best in terms of output. You can go back and look at those cards. You can look at grapple and cage match ratings. Um, I think those cards were pretty bad. I remember being kind of disappointed when we, you know, they had announced like as part of the rampage deal that they were going to get these specials on TNT a few times a year. It's Clash of the Champions, baby. You know, back, bringing it back on uh, Turner TV, p- pay-per-view quality for free. And it was really bad out of the gate. Um, and so now I want to ask you, like, sort of a chicken and egg situation in some ways. Is is this Battle of the Belts 3 rating bad because – the card didn't excite people or do you think it's bad because the audience has been trained to not care about battle of the belts uh, being as the first two were pretty subpar? I think that it's because the audience has been trained that the only things of consequence that really matter in AEW will happen on Wednesday nights and nowhere else. I think that's a problem. I, I I do not proclaim to know anything about ratings at all. Um, I actively avoid it. Uh, <laughs> but I do know that wrestling fans can be very set in their ways as an audience. Mm. You watch wrestling on Monday. You watch wrestling on Wednesday. You watch wrestling on Friday. Maybe. And that's it. Nothing else. It's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, a lot of fans. Change your viewing be- habits, wrestling fans. Come on. And they'll they'll say no. They will say no. I mean, I guess it's me, weird Puro person who follows tours rather than a set TV schedule primarily. But and I don't know, man. I'm the, Just, I'm the weird one that's always seeking out the next big indie show. So mm-hmm. you can't get everyone to watch even rampage i mean for the longest time uh, the connecticut brand you couldn't get people to watch the blue brand even though now it's on a major broadcast network yeah yeah you're right about that sometimes wrestling fans are just hopelessly stuck in their ways to a fault and a part of that is to blame on AEW for not incentivizing Rampage and other shows as much as they should. You remember when Dark Dark in the beginning had angles and storylines? I I remember this. And now they don't. Uh, uh, Maybe they'll have like a sort of ghost of a storyline. You know what I mean? Like, aren't they doing an angle with Sunny Kiss? Uh, weren't weren't they doing some kind of story with Sunny Kiss and and a faction? There, I can't remember. There was Sunny and the Joey Janela thing. I don't know what he's right. been doing since. Yeah, I, I, but it, this is I haven't actually watched, so I don't know. This is just hearsay. Right, anyway, exactly. Your point is your point is correct. Your point yes. is correct. AEW um, has kind of trained everyone to say 
watch Dynamite and maybe if you want, watch Rampage. It's a good Rampage lineup this week. Um, interesting stuff on the docket. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch, although I did not watch live, so I'm part of the problem. <laughs> um, so I think the audience has been trained, but not in the way that you suggest, because the first battle of the belts was n- the, the total viewership was not as high as a dynam- as, as a good dynamite. It was it was almost up to a bad dynamite. It was in the the mid seven hundred thousand total viewers, so they had interest, but like the show was just not good. And then you had a drop off to in the in the five hundred thousands for two, and two was even worse. Um, and so now I think you they have their work cut out for them, um, trying to reestablish battle of the belts as something worth your time. I think Claudio and Takeshita will hopefully start that process. You know, I think that they're going to have to just, uh, you know, I think Tony, Tony does not like to burn off money matches and that's a good instinct in a booker, but he's gotten, a lot he's got a lot of vehicles a lot of tv vehicles he's got battle of the belts and rampage and if he and he's got ring of honor you know coming up here and if he wants those things to thrive he's gonna have to put some money matches on those programs agreed Um, and, and he's gonna have to get people talking about them he's gonna have to promote them more than the in the Excalibur speed read before the main event of a dynamite, yeah. you know, and and I know it's tough sometimes because the rampage matches are meant to in kayfabe come from the dynamite booking, but I feel like you you have to maybe sacrifice that a little bit to promote it harder. There's there's stuff he can do, and I, I am hoping that the next battle of the belts. Uh, has a has a world title match or has a really hot TNT champion, um, you know. I guess or a title is change, that, a, a title, title change. change. Sure, sure. Uh, or, or, or a match where you think uh, the title could change and it'd be interesting. Um. So or an upset. Yes. Yes. Something like that. And I, I'm. I'm sad that Battle of the Belts has done as poorly this one as as it did because it was such, I thought, a, a good show compared to the last two. I think that, like the things that I've been saying about New Japan, there might need to be a spark somewhere. Something to really set things off with Battle of the Belts and Rampage as well. I'm not sure what that is yet, but I'm guessing it's out there. I'm going to bet it's Ricky Starks. That's what I'm going to say. Well, there's nothing but good things for Ricky. So he can lift lift the the other brands, (laughs) the other shows. Amen to that. Now, Doc, I mentioned earlier in my future stock, Parker Boudreaux signing with AEW. And when I was looking online, my original thought was, oh, 
That's a good signing. In about two years, he's going to be awesome. But all I saw from other people across the internet was either a collective meh or negativity for Parker Boudreaux. And I don't know. Am I the only one that doesn't see the potential in him? I I feel like I do. I expected everyone else to. Mm -hmm. But I guess other people don't really see his potential as a talent. It it kind of reminds me of, do you remember the young lion? This might have been before you started watching. Um, he, He was a big dude. And he, oh no, I know who you mean. Um, yeah. but I can't remember his name. He, he, his whole deal happened right when I started watching. Like he was a thing, and then suddenly, poof, he was not. He's went away. Right, and people felt like he had all of the potential in the world, mm-hmm. and then he was gone. And that's kind of how I feel about Parker Boudreaux. He's got a ton of potential just a ton and i'm a little surprised that people don't see it i said before he's like a younger wardlow and to me that's Mm -hmm. money well a couple of things one i really do think that people are like why is this person on my tv screen and not someone i'm interested in already um that that's that can be an issue um i do think the aew fan is um generally a more like a harsher critic of their wrestling and so i I think perhaps they are more quick to notice flaws uh in in wrestlers and i think generally wrestling fans we are bad at uh talent scouting (laughs) and noticing potential in raw talents. It can be easy, you know, when like some young kid in Dragon Gate or or some young lion and we're like, oh my God, like look at all these clearly visible fundamentals and uh, good wrestling holds and uh, how hard he can slap someone or whatever. But like, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of potential. And I think sometimes uh, with bigger guys, like we're just not, good at seeing it um so i think that 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 is a factor as well but i've heard i've heard people that i trust give the thumbs up to the signing and to the display on rampage you know that i've, I've heard that uh that AEW is being much smarter about how they use him than nxt 2.0 was was he like an ex-con or or no an escaped con or something what silly wasn't he wearing like a convict jumpsuit? I have program? no idea. <laughs> okay, it just it was something silly, but as as in NXT 2.0 tends to be. Uh, but I, I haven't seen the show, so I'm you're getting me super excited to like to see the uh, the raw version of Wardlow. He's like the early evol- evolution of Wardlow. Like if Wardlow is his current evolved form, Parker Boudreaux is like the the pre-evolution. He's like the Pichu form, if you will. <laughs> he beat me to it. He beat me the, the, the Pichu or the Pikachu to the Raichu. Yeah. That is Wardlow. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, do you want to talk about 
the green map, the former green map? Always. Well, did you know the N1 victory tournament has begun? You know, they really could have named that something else. (laughs) It used to have such a cool name. The Global League was so, so good. Yeah, it was. uh, It's Ledette's fault because they had New Japan Envy uh, for a minute there before Cyber Agent rescued Noah from what was inevitably certain financial doom. Um, but yeah, they were, you know, they ditched the green mad and created the in one victory and all this silliness, but, but, you know, cyber, uh, agent has kept that. So it is still the in one. It is their G one, their round Robin. And it is two blocks. You know, we talked about it. We previewed it a little bit last time and it's underway today, August 13th. When we're recording the second show has occurred. I have not seen it yet. I've only seen the first show. Um, and I will say uh, some quick thoughts. It is so refreshing after the very extended, dare I say, bloated G1 schedule that this is a 10 show affair. Every single show, every single person has a block match. And so in nine shows, all nine block matches are done. Show 10 is the finals. It's not going to last too long. It's a couple weeks. And so far, one match in, I think the quality is very good. I feel like it is on the level of a pretty solid G1 show from this year. Um, a lot more straightforward and, of course, very serious, you know, so you don't have your your Yanos and what have you in, in this tournament. But the work is super solid. Uh, we've had some good matches in the first night. We had uh, Kojima versus Sugera, which I thought really delivered. Uh, I already talked about Jack Morris and Kiyomiya, which again, the huge upset win for Morris. I think that's worth seeing because he looks really good. Um, and you have, uh, so so Tim Thatcher could not make it over for this tournament. And so Kenya Okada, uh, up until pretty recently, I think he was a young boy, but this year he has, uh, you know, gotten his own gear, no more black trunks. And I say young boy, he's 29 years old. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but but with Noah, that's like being uh, a toddler. So he's got many, 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 many more years <laughs> to grow into main event status in um, pro wrestling Noah. He's got but, plenty of time. Yes, yes. So he took Thatcher's spot. So he wrestled Masakatsu Funaki. And I was really curious about this, you know, because Funaki could just say, eh, I don't feel like uh, giving anything for this kid. Who cares? Um, but the way he treated the match, like <laughs> he really laid it into Kenya. He beat the shit out of the poor kid. Like there are a couple times I thought some of the holds were shoot holds. And I mean, he would just get the kid down and expose him and just slap the crap out of him. And he was great. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, you know, Kenya took his lumps and uh, no, it was, it was awesome. 
And again, the main event was uh, that the rematch, uh, Kaz Fujita and Go Shiozaki. Did you did you ever see their match from when Go had the GHC heavyweight title? Is that the stare down match? That is the stare down match. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a rematch of that. I thought it was awesome. Um, I know the result is not what we wanted. I, I still think Go could come out of his block. Um, and I think Go is going to have a great tournament. I don't want to say it was like a carry job because, you know, Kaz was like fine. But man, <laughs> Go was awesome in that match. Like he's like an all-time great seller and all-time he, he great. He absolutely like, is. Like his facial expressions are just like – you just get caught up in his emotion. He has like it is similar, you know, ish quality to Tanahashi in that way, where like you see him struggle, and you you can't help but like get swept up in his struggle and be rooting for him. And and man, Go just killed it in that match. I loved it. His Goshiozaki's senpai was the man that had facial expressions in Japanese wrestling like nobody else. And that was the goat, Kenta Kobashi. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, all the way down to the chops. A- absolutely. Um, earlier today, I watched a match from 2013 uh, in all Japan. It was Goshiozaki and Junakiyama tagging against Suwama and Joe Doring. And oh, my God, everything you're everything you're saying about go back in 2013 when you still had black hair. It's it's all true. Just amazing just so phenomenally talented and if he wins his block and wins the n1 i wouldn't even be mad oh hell no man like i just him and and Kano again like i i would uh i would buy a ticket if i if i could their their 2020 60 minute draws is my match of the year for that year uh that was title versus title that that's a hell yes. of a match yeah, track that down. Totally worth seeing. Um, but yeah, in one very good. Uh, I, I'm super excited about it and we will dig in further to it once we have seen more shows. There's a lot of wrestling right now. <laughs> There's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of wrestling. I've been to some wrestling. You have. You have. Yes. Uh, this was the the New Japan USA show uh, Music City Mayhem. Is that right? It is uh, Music City Mayhem. Uh, it was from the fairgrounds in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, which I'd never been to for a wrestling show before. Seems, you know, I've been to a handful here and they keep being at new buildings that I've never been to. Um, but uh, this was an excellent show to attend live. Um, I'm sure if you look at the cage match rating, you know, it'll be like a six, seven, but it gets the live bump from me to, you know, an eight, nine. Um, it was such fun uh, to see everybody from the junior division, especially uh, that we got to see from New Japan. Um, I also got to wave at Danhausen. He was like hey. two, two feet from me and not surrounded by anyone. No crowd. Him and Hornswoggle were just walking through the uh, the venue. And Danhausen is not tall. So despite him being dressed like Danhausen, I almost missed him. But I was like, holy shit, it's Danhausen. And he waved at me. 
and I think I saw Casey Navarro getting interviewed for a podcast, and I tried to yell at him, but he would not. He would not. Uh, I don't think he heard me. It was very loud in the venue. Um, but there were great matches at the show. You know, we got to see John Moxley versus El Desperado, which is an awesome oh, match. That was that was a banger. Awesome match. I I hope New Japan World uh, puts it up on their site. Uh, I, I'm guess you know this was a Fight TV live thing, so I'm guessing they're waiting for the something to expire or a certain amount of days to go by. But um, we got this. I got to see Aussie Open live, which was like hey. incredible for me. Never thought Those I would get guys. To my favorite tag team. It was so good. Like I was for I was certain they were going to lose. So it was Aussie Open and TJP versus FTR and Alex Zane. And FTR were as over as you'd expect. Massively popular. Um and this there were probably like you know 2 300 people at the show. Uh more came in for them and for Moxley. Moxley was also over huge. Obviously the man's a fucking superstar. Um, but yeah, at Aussie Open one, they pinned Alex Zane, and they they are getting an IWGP title shot uh, against FTR, which is going to be just awesome. That's that's going to be good. Cannot wait for that. Um, uh, what else was on the show? Oh, uh, Kushida versus Alex Zane. Time splitters explode. Alex, <laughs> Alex Zane. <laughs> Whoops, wrong Alex. Uh. Alex Shelley. Um, and that match uh, was great, as you'd expect. But very technical. To see both of those guys in person was like bucket list material for me. Nice. Um, excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, and there was like a guy beside me, two, two dudes that were just having so much fun. And they were like calling out Kushida's moves. And like one of them yelled out Shote really loud. And he looked at him. It's like, that's great. Uh, and uh, Hiromu wrestled Blake Christian, and this really opened my eyes to Blake Christian, someone who probably should have been my stock up, honestly, because um, I thought Blake Christian was like a nice little wrestler, but Blake Christian is is extremely good. Like, yes, he Hiromu, is. Hiromu was saying, like, I want this guy at best of the Super Juniors, and he's not wrong. Uh, he would get he gets there on merit for me. He he. That match with Hiromu was really good. He bled a lot and uh, did a lot of awesome moves. He was actually super over with the crowd. I didn't think they'd know who Blake Christian was, but I guess he works indies uh, in the area, maybe. Um, but anyway, that show was so much fun. Check it out uh, if you can. And when a major promotion comes to your town, don't overthink it. If you can go, go. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Although I am, I'm doing the thing that you that you just said not to do about. Well, you might argue if this is a major promotion. Impact Wrestling is coming uh, to Nashville for Victory Road, and I'm I'm overthinking it. I'm like, should well, I? That, I don't know the their hard territory. <laughs> they they always do something good for Nashville, don't they? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, just lately, they're they're elsewhere. Uh, they've been in Kentucky and now they're in Chicago for a while. Okay. But, uh, yeah. They're coming back uh, next month to do victory road. If, if I can, 
if I can afford it, if the card looks solid, you know, maybe uh, maybe the Motor City machine guns are doing something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe uh, maybe I get to see Walking Weapon do his thing. Josh Alexander, Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, we're sort of doing the Impact segment now, but but yeah, I, I think I think Impact is definitely worth uh, keeping up with. Um, if you have not, we may say more about this later, but we need to talk about the G1 DJM. We do. We do. Uh, let, let's let's get the G1 in and then we can we can get out of here. All right. Sounds good to me. So updated G1 tier list. The super popular segment from last time where I graded everyone's performances uh, and put them in put them in a tier uh, tiers S to D S being the highest. ABCD being the lowest. There are no Fs. Not going to put anyone in the F tier. And this is not a kayfabe thing. This is based on work rate during the G1 for me. Um, so here we go. Kazuchika Okada remains in the B tier. I think that he is just shy of the A tier. I think he's been... Very good. Very good. He's maybe not quite been great, but this could be, I could be a little unfair. I could be expecting too much of Okada, but I think he's been very good. He has set an impossibly high standard for himself. I imagine that for him, especially right now that he's about to be a new dad or already is a new dad, Maybe he's not getting as much sleep as as he used to, and he's mm. not resting as much. So, you know, maybe he's just not quite 100% up. But a, a B for Kazuchika Okada is, an, is S tier for 90% of pro wrestlers. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Cobb, Jeff Cobb, I'm going to say he's dropped a smidge. He was in the B tier. The first time we did this because he had only wrestled Kazuchika Okada. He since had a couple matches that other people have been higher on than me. Um, They have not been bad. They have been fine. Yano. (laughs) I'm going to rank him above Jeff Cobb. Yeah. I'm putting him in the beats here. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. (laughs) Welcome to the Toru Yano army, subtle doctor. (laughs) The Lance Archer match was just, I was crying. It was so brilliant. It was brilliant. It was so funny. Lance is in just so good in that. Lance Archer is incredible. He's just a gem. Everything he does, commentary, comedy matches. He's been so good for so long, too. I'm, I'm, and I mean, I didn't, of course, know about him until recently myself. But I'm I'm so happy that I do know about him, and everyone knows. I'm I'm happy that he's like famous now in the wrestling community, that he's a known commodity. Um, Agreed. I, rem- I remember, you know, uh, that la- the show that I saw in in uh, early 2020, the New Japan uh, USA show in Nashville, New Beginning, I guess it was called. That was his last New Japan show. 
and he hung out after uh, the match, and he didn't really have too many people uh, that wanted to talk to him. And I imagine if he did that now, that would be quite different. Um, so all that said about Archer, I think he's been he's been awesome. Um, he's had a really great tournament. I'm going to put him in the B tier. I've loved his work. Um, and the commentary gives him, gives him the bump up to D up to B. Would you uh, say that's a B plus the commentary? The, well, the, the commentary on its own is like an A. Okay. Commentary is good. Um, I, he lets Kevin Kelly tell all these great stories. Um, and he's got a few good ones of his own. Um, Fale D still D. Um, moving on. Yep. Yep. No longer the underboss. Uh, Lawler hadn't wrestled when we first did this. Um, I'm giving filthy Tom. I'm putting him in the B tier as well. All right. Filthy Tom. Yeah. I, I think he's done really, really well for himself. Um, that Okada match is what pushes him into the B tier. His other work, I think, uh, would, would put him firmly in C, but, uh, but the Okada match, uh, lifts him up for sure. Do you think filthy Tom gets, uh, gets a bump because he's managed to get himself so over? Yeah, I think that's fair. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know what? You're, you're totally right because that is a non kayfabe part of it. He, he has gotten his little clap, uh, his little staccato clap over. Um, I mean, you, you, the you fans the crowd enjoy. response, you know? Yes. That, that's a part of it. Totally. Jonah put, putting him in the A tier. All right. Jonah, a star is born, DJM. For me, I believe a it. star is born, this G1, from Jonah. I mean, that Okada match blew my mind. It was Okada so just making good. names. I know, I know, as he does. Um, I, I just like an aura. Like the man had an aura. Like, like so few people do uh, in wrestling. He had that same aura in NXT. Mm. In the the latter years of of the black and gold, he definitely stood out in that regard. So, Bronson. what you're saying, what you're saying about Jonah, I believe it. And he he just he had this fantastic ringside promo after, so memorable, and like just that match was uh, I think it was night thirteen in Osaka, and the crowd really just decided not to honor the COVID protocols. They were hooting, hollering, cheering, ooing, eyeing. They were like, he had them in the palm of his hand. It was, it was so good. And Okada deserves just full credit for, for helping make this dude. Another guy they let go. What's that? Another guy they let go. You talking about, uh, has have they let Jonah go? No, I mean uh, Stanford. Stanford. They just let oh, him go. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> That's the only time I'll say those words. Fair oh, enough. Oh God. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully he he recognizes how much the office in New Japan likes him 
and how big a deal this was because uh, because he could really be something. Uh, Jay, I am going to lower him to C. I think Jay's been fine. I think the stuff that you mentioned at the top of the show, it really does come into play. Also, that bizarre promo where he spoke in clap um, <laughs> was one of the weirdest things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> so strange. Maybe that's why he doesn't do anything different, because when you try something <laughs> different, it kind of falls flat. It's weird. <laughs> yes. Um, his match with is his, his, pardon me, his Ishii match. Great. Um, the rest of it, you know, kind of so so. Probably we'll forget about all of it, but the Ishii match um, in a month. Sonata, we're going to keep it C tier. Sonata's been... Uh, He's been Sonata. Know, well, listen. Sonata, we, we've seen a better Sonata. Sonata could be better, but he is an inconsistent professional wrestler. So uh, he is mercurial. Um, consistently inconsistent mm-hmm. is Sonata. Mm-hmm. Um, Tama Tonga, nephew and adopted son of Haku. We're putting him in the B because yeah. I put him in the C tier because of the one match he'd had with Chase Owens that was such a letdown. But I think the rest of his tournament has been really good. His match with Tai Chi was so much fun. Like from a pure wrestling work rate, like this is the the G1, damn it. Like it's kind of it's not that. But like they they do the they continue the story where I don't know if you remember if you remember from like deep pandemic New Japan times when when Tama stole Tai Chi's iron glove that had been gifted him by Izuka. And uh in this match, Tai Chi was trying to give it back to him, trying to have him put it on because if he put it on, he'd become evil again. And uh, <laughs> Tai Chi was trying to make it. Tom was like, no, no. And like storytelling. <laughs> exactly. And Tai Chi would like throw it at him and the crowd would gasp because Tama would like freak out and just like slap it away. Uh, it was fun. And he's had um, he's had, you know, other really good matches. I'm really looking forward to his match with Jay. I think it's going to be it's going to be great. Tomohiro Ishii. Keeping him at the S tier. I think he's been phenomenal. It's Tomohiro Ishii. Enough said. Watch. Watch on the 16th. Uh, that's his match with Sonata and it is his, his last match of the G1. I would say everyone watch this match live. If you can, and as soon as you can, you could be seeing a legends final G1 match. I really think this could be it for him in the G1. As, I, as I do think that's valid. Yeah. Let me ask you then. Since he's coming up quickly, how many more do you think Hiroshi Tanahashi has? Hmm. If he stays at the current level he is, 
I think he could have four to five more good G1s. That would say, put him know, close to 50. No, so that would put him at 50. That would put him at 50. I thought he was 43. Is he 45? He is the same age as John Cena. They are so the he's same 45 age. years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was giving him a couple. So maybe, maybe say, I'm, I'm going to say three. Okay. okay. I'm going to give him till 48. I think he's got three in him. And since we're talking about him, I'll just skip over and we'll, we'll put Hiroshi in the A tier. Yeah. Because uh, that man. A for ace. That man's been, been great. And like, just in terms of like, not every match of his has been like some five-star classic, but like after the match, you just look at it and you think, okay, what was the goal of this match? What was supposed to be accomplished? <laughs> and whatever it was, Tanahashi helped knock it out of the park. You know, whether it's to get Hanare over, whether it's like to have this like kind of like epic back and forth with Zach, uh, the match he had with uh, Hiroki Goto was Goto's best match. He really brought the fire out of Goto. Um, I cannot wait till he wrestles Kenta. Uh, I think that's going to be that's going to be awesome. That's going to be heated, very heated. Um, but let's not get out of order here. So Taichi, going to slide him back down to a B um, because the you know the Ishi match put him in the A tier. Uh, and he's had he's had good matches though. I mean, he's had good matches with uh, with Chase and and uh, others, but uh, but not quite a tier level. Great Ocon, um, I think uh, his performance so far has not quite been as good as last year's. And I know people were kind of upset a little bit, I think, that he's not getting more of a, of a push. But I just don't think it's his time yet. There are there have been really good wrestlers, wrestlers that have had like prominent spots on uh, New Japan shows that have like middling performances in terms of points in the G1. Um, I think his output's been okay. He's not like this incredible worker anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think he's been he's been fine. He's done the job. Chase Owens, this is this might be the hardest one so far because okay, because he had he had a, a such a rough start with Tom. This is a big G one. <laughs> There's a lot of guys to go There's through. There's a lot still. of dudes. Um, we might have to pick up the pace a little bit. Okay. Chase, go and see. Not All not right. quite B. He's had a really good tournament, though. I think he's had a hell of a tournament. Um, Hanare, B, also a hell of a tournament. Uh, such a bright future for this guy. We've done Tana. Evil, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give Evil a C. Evil's been kind of what you'd expect. Evil has been evil. Uh, Goto is going to get the bump to the B tier from the Tanahashi match. Um, And he's had a very solid tournament. He had a a great match with Naito to start things off. Uh, ZSJ, going to keep him at the S tier with Ishii. 
because he's been like, I mean, he just doesn't put a foot wrong. This guy. He pushed the agenda forward. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Kenta, um, I think has been great, but the match with Zach kept him in a, I I think, you know, he's had uh, matches with other guys that have not been quite that good. Um, Naito is a really difficult one for me. I, I, I've never been as big of a fan of Naito in the ring as some people. Um, which is not to say he's bad. It's just like his work doesn't speak to me in, in a way that, that does a lot of people. I think, uh, I think I'm going to, it's keep definitely him st- more about his character. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is not to say he's like a bad worker, but I don't know, man, it's just some, something about him doesn't connect with me lately in the ring. Uh, I'm going to keep him in the C tier in terms of his work. Um, I, I'm sure he'll be in the semifinals and finals and I think he'll be great there. Um, will, uh, moving up S tier, uh, because he has had just phenomenal matches with Shingo and David Finlay and, uh, got a good match out of Udro. So there you go. <laughs> um, uh, ELP, he's still got to wrestle Yoshihashi, I think will, or maybe that was today. Um, I bet that was great. Uh, cause Yoshihashi sneaky, good ELP, um, B because, uh, the Ujiro match pushes him down, but the rest of his work I think has been really good. Big things coming for him. Juice C, um, been, it's been a really curious tournament for juice Robinson. It sounds um, like it's been very up and down. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the match with Shingo more than most. Um, the ELP match was odd, uh, but but he still has to wrestle Will, so uh, he, his his overall score may be maybe bumped up. Um, Got to drop Yoshihashi. Sadly, I want to keep him in A, but I can't justify it. Um, the match with Shingo was outstanding, and he's been been really good otherwise, but but not not quite. Uh, a tier Shingo are moving up to S because he's just been, he's been great. He's been, been really, really good all throughout. Udro, we're going to keep it D Finley is going to make the biggest jump so far. I'm going to put David Finley in the A tier. Um, Let's go. He'd be, he'd be in the S tier in kayfabe because this has been, outstanding for him and i i just think he's had like that the udro match again <laughs> put him in the d tier but um but man that he's faced the rest of his block it's been awesome and that elp match is going to be awesome he's had a great tournament like this has really improved his standing and the the crowd have like i don't know if they've gotten behind him but like they've really been into the upset wins like he's gotten a reaction from him so and that's that is uh that's the new tier list and there we go doc thank you for keeping me and all of us up to date on the g1 climax uh we're getting closer to the finals uh let's see i i want to know doc how do you feel the semifinals will turn and 
Now I think we're getting close. I want you to give me a pick. Okay. So I think that Okada is coming out of A block because I think he's going to beat Lance. I think that Tama Tonga is going to upset Jay White and and come out of the the B block because storyline reasons, you know. And also, I think that New Japan thinks they don't need Jay White and Okada uh, to sell a G1 semifinal show. I think that they can do they feel like we can do Tama and Okada here, a match that maybe Japanese fans uh, wouldn't fill up the Budokan for um, on its own. You know, if this were like wrestling Dantaku or whatever, but like as part of a G1 semi show with a lot of other stuff, we could do this. Um, and it's a good spot for Tama. I hope he does well. C and D. Um, I think uh, I still think like my my pick was Zach originally, but but I really do think it's going to be Naito coming uh, from from the bottom uh, to beat Zach on the final block night to go through. And I know <laughs> I haven't seen the show today, like I said, so so maybe maybe this has all been shattered. But there was like in play up until night 15, a scenario in which all the G1 uh, block D guys could tie each other and have to have some huge playoff match. Um, and Kevin Kelly has been putting it over on commentary. So it's not just some like weirdo nerd math dream. Like it's really in play. There's like only four things that need to happen to, to make it a reality. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just like a Rambo, you know, just in the middle of the G1. Um, and I think that will be interesting. But the conservative, like, picker in me is going to say, what Gato is going to do is tease that and then just have Will beat Juice on the final <laughs> night. And yeah. Will goes through. Uh, and you have Will versus Naito. And I think... What they're going to do, if I had to pick, I think as much as I would love to see Okada and Will, I, I think that's that, a Wrestle Kingdom match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they've had it the last two years at Wrestle Kingdom, and it's been great. Um, I think I think they're going to do Okada Naito in the finals. Um, okay. That's a very conservative pick. That's very chalk. But. Gato is a chalk booker, <laughs> for better or for worse. It's made him a lot of money for, over the years. For better or for worse. Uh, it's made him a lot of money, and, and, and they have, you know, they've wrestled a couple times this year, and New Japan likes to do their sort of, you know, series of matches each year. Like, it seems like since I've been following it, a couple guys will pair off and face each other three to five times in a calendar year in big spots. Naito has lost to him twice. And so I think you could see Naito winning the G1. You know, Okada I won like it last it. year. I think I think Naito could get a win back finally over Okada in a big spot. He hasn't beaten him since Wrestle Kingdom 2020. Uh, and he could he could take the G1 from him. Now, 
I think what that probably means is at some point Okada might beat Jay for the title and we get Okada Naito in the dome again to try to move dome tickets. I'm not sure Jay White Naito moves as many tickets as Okada Naito. That's a fair assumption. So in that's the my end, pick. Tessia Naito. All <laughs> right. I'm going to go Naito. Yes. All right. You heard it here. And you'll hear it here on the Open Door Wrestling Podcast. However, the G1 Climax 32 goes down. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, tell your friends, subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. Send us an email at opendoorrestpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, give us a positive review. Uh, Doc works really hard and he watches a lot of wrestling and he helps me keep up with wrestling uh, because I'm not always so great at it. Uh, everybody follow Doc at The Subtle Doctor on Twitter where you can see him and all of his other different fantastic fantastic projects that he has going on follow us at open door rest pod that's open door w-r-e-s-p-o-d pod and until next time doc say the thing to take us home until next time peace and good graps